You're listening to Deliberate Living, the podcast that inspires, empowers, and encourages listeners to live life more authentically. My name is Holly Priestley, and I'm a nomad, coach, creator, and outdoors woman. And I'm Beers, a vagabond, joy artist, permissionary, and story breaker. We explore different ways people choose to ditch the prescribed life we've all been sold and live on their terms. Finding freedom and happiness however they choose. Welcome to another episode of the Deliberate Living Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Holly Priestley. And I'm Nathan Beers. This week, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, possession, purging, um, downsizing, decluttering, con marrying, minimalizing, minimalism. Words are hard sometimes. Getting rid of shit. Yeah, we're going to talk about getting rid of shit. All right. I feel like for both of us, since we've both lived on the road, uh, it's it kind of is like a requisite step in that lifestyle. Um, I mean, you can't just put a bunch of stuff in storage and just like jump into it, but most storage units all over the country. Yeah, I've never done that. Um, some Some people might do that. Definitely not one of the hosts of this show, but no, something. no, no. I, I definitely didn't earlier this year drive 4,000 miles across the country, picking up stuff from three different storage units only to get to the other coast and give everything away. Um, for sure. Didn't do that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this most recent uh, possession, possession purge I had was actually, uh, I think, I think it was my third major possession purge. Uh, and each time it, it feels really scary and it feels so good to just let go of so many things. And, and there's so, there's, there's so many different ways of doing it. And I've, I've done it. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. It's not even third. I've done, I've done a lot of minor purges kind of in between, but uh, yeah. What do do you want to shart? Oh, I don't want to shart. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I want to cut that one out or leave that in. Um, (laughs) Do you want to share or would you like to start? Uh, <laughs> talking about what some of your possession purges have looked like uh, as you tried to live in a tiny box. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I think I've been through like one major one and then like just a revolving door since then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, when I moved into my van, I was moving out of an apartment and Oh man, to give a little bit more backstory on the apartment. Um, the last apartment that I lived in, the last place I paid rent, the last like physical address that I had and lived at, um, I moved into after a series of unfortunate like roommate experiences. And so mm. I basically moved into this apartment with nothing. I didn't have anything, I didn't own anything. So when I moved in, I had to go buy everything 
to furnish this apartment. I needed dishes. I needed kitchen stuff. I needed furniture. Like I didn't own very much at all. Like I didn't have a bed. I didn't have, I didn't have anything. Yeah. Um, and then I moved into this apartment and I was like, I'm never having roommates again. I am never relying on anybody else again. I am doing this all myself because fuck people like this doesn't work. <laughs> so uh, I went out and, and made a nice little home for myself is what I did. Um, but I did it the way that, you know, you're supposed to do it. I bought all the things to fill my apartment so that I, partially so I could live comfortably, right? Like living in you know, a 900 square foot apartment. That was pretty big for me. Like I did not need that much space. Um, but living in a pretty big apartment, now that I think about it, that might've been, they might've been lying. I don't think it was 900 square feet. Anyway, it was way too much space just for me. One bedroom, I was working from home. It was fine. Like it was everything I needed. Um, but living in, in kind of a cave with like no belongings, like if I moved into that apartment with what I own now and I didn't buy anything extra, it wouldn't be comfortable. It wouldn't be right. a very livable space. So I'm not saying that like buying a bunch of stuff to fill this apartment to make it a comfortable living space was a bad thing. That's just where I was starting from when I moved into the van. So I moved into the apartment in like August or September and then in December, I decided that the very next year I was going to be buying a van and moving into it. <laughs> so then in January, I started test driving vans. And then I was like, all right, well, I better start getting rid of stuff. So it started really small with like just like the kind of the knickknacky things um, were really easy to get rid of. I had a Goodwill like a block and a half away. Anytime I drove anywhere, I would just like drop off a box. It was fine. It was easy. Um, and then as I went throughout the year, I bought my van and I started converting it and, um, started getting rid of more and more things. And it got a lot harder. It got a lot more difficult. Um, and cause I had already gone through all the easy shit. Right. right. <laughs> and then it gets a little more challenging because there's, there's a point, especially when doing this particular kind of possession purge, when you go from living in a house to living in a van, um, where there's like the point of no return. And there's a point of this house isn't comfortable to be in anymore. Right. Um, you know, like if you don't have anywhere to sit, and there's so no furniture sitting, left. No there's, furniture left. Yeah. There's like, there's, you know, all the things that I had to buy to make this, this apartment a home are now gone. And so this apartment is just a big empty box now. And there's definitely that part of like getting rid of stuff and making this particular life change that can be very challenging. And like some of the stuff was like just physically challenging, logistically challenging. You don't have anywhere to sit. You're going to sit on the floor. Fine, whatever. <laughs> um, but then like some of it's emotional, right? Like a lot of the stuff that I bought was new to me. Well, a lot of it was secondhand, of course. Um, but I had like developed kind of an emotional attachment to certain things because for me, for whatever reason, it just symbolized like, this is my place. I'm not relying on anybody else. This is mine. And so getting rid of some of those things was like a challenge. Like getting rid of all of my plants was a big challenge. I'm emotionally invested in my plants and I had to find them new homes. That was sad. I hope they're all doing well. It's been a few years now. I'm sure they're great and thriving. Um, <laughs> But then, so then once I got past like the emotional stuff and like the other hard stuff, then there was all of this other stuff. You just have so much stuff. You don't realize how much stuff you have. And like all like the papers and the documents that you hold on to, and you've got like maybe a filing cabinet or for me, it was a cardboard box. 
um, just of like receipts and like notes from the vet or like what, like things that you're like, I should keep this. I don't know why, but I should. And then you move into a van and you're like, this doesn't fit. Like literally this doesn't fit. I'm not having all of these pages of things that I don't need. And then you got to like try and get rid of those while keeping what's important and you don't know what's important. And so you might digitize them, but then that takes a lot of work. Um, and it's just, it's really hard to like do that kind of massive purge, but also to your point, like it feels amazing when you're done with it. Like when you have this big, you know, final release, one of my final projects, um, was kind of like a clothing swap with some girlfriends of mine. And I took everything that was left over from that, my clothes and everybody else's clothes. And I packed it all in the van. This is like way bigger than a car. And I'm glad that I had the van because if I'd had the car, it wouldn't have fit. It would have taken me like four trips, but like taking it all to Goodwill. And like, it was floor to ceiling, like filled with shit. And I'm sure I looked like a crazy person at Goodwill, just like unloading, like all of this stuff. And that was a lot of work and it was challenging emotionally and physically, but it was also like a huge relief. But then when I moved into the van, I still had too much shit. So then it just became like the next few weeks of like, well, I need this in the van. And I turns out I don't need this in the van. And you're just constantly getting rid of stuff. And then with the van, it's just, you can't bring in more stuff without getting rid of more stuff. So Mm -hmm. now it's just like a constant thing, but it was hard. Yeah. That, that, Getting into, for me, what I found is it's been a process of getting into the habit of continually purging things Yes, and, and just switching my mindset. I I was talking with a, with a love of mine recently about, uh, about holding on to things that you might need and the might needs, right. And, and the, how easy it is for those, well, I might need this someday for that stuff to just accumulate and accumulate and pile up to where it, it ends up being just a, a burden and, and it's, it's stuff that it ties you, ties you to a place when you might not necessarily want to be tied to a place. It, it logistically, mentally, just it feels overwhelming to to try to tackle organizing things or uh, or finding something or or the, the the potential of trying to move to another location, like all of that. It just it makes it all just feel like a weight that's just no, 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 (laughs) I'm not going to touch that. And, and it's, and yeah, for me, it's just been that process of if I have an active specific use for something, or if this is like the KonMari thing, or if it is something that specifically gives me, uh, what does what does she say? Sparks joy. Sparks joy. That's probably a good term. I was trying to come up with my own term, but no, like she she's already she's already figured out the right one. Like if it sparks joy, and it's not something that can be easily digitized or captured in some other way, then I'll hold on to it. Otherwise, it's it, going. It's going to go. 
Yeah, for, for me, my journey began with possession purges, began about 12 years ago after, after my first divorce. Um, and in the midst of, of the split, I took myself out to the movies one day and I went and saw this movie. <clears throat> I knew nothing about it. Uh, it just happened to be at the theater. I was near at a showtime that was convenient for me. And it was a movie called Everything Must Go, a Will Ferrell movie. And it was more, it's more of his dramatic performances as opposed to what he, like the, the silly comedies he tends to do. Um, there was definitely elements of that. But in this movie, this guy and his wife or girlfriend split up and she literally takes everything that is his and it all goes out on the front lawn. And he also just, he gets fired from his job. And so he's just effectively living on the front lawn with all of his possessions in this suburban neighborhood and ends up going through this process of getting rid of everything from his life that he's accumulated through, through his decades. And, and, and like in the movie, he also finds fresh love and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as, as movies do, but this, this process of him releasing these things, it was, it was serendipitous timing for me to uh, unexpectedly see that movie at that, at, at that point in my life. Uh, a few months later, I had a garage sale where I got rid of what I thought was almost everything I owned. Two weeks after that garage sale, I was moving to another state and I still had to rent a 24 foot truck. Oh my God. But I still had in to, to move from Atlanta to Greenville. And I was, I was flabbergasted when I first moved out of my parents' house. Uh, which was, I don't know, eight years before that, uh, seven years before that, everything I owned literally fit in my little Subaru Impreza station wagon. Uh, yeah. like in like most of it in like the, the passenger seat. Like I owned very little, just not a lot of stuff. And within mm-hmm. less than a decade, I had accumulated so much that I could have, I could sell what felt like the overwhelming majority of what I owed and still need this massive truck to move. And like, that just felt, that felt weird. Uh, That felt like a little icky. And then I got up to Greenville and I'm in a new place and, Oh, I don't really have anything that works right here. So I've got to get this and I've got to get this. And, and again, the buildup, the accumulation continues and uh, I had a fully furnished, very comfortable house. I had a very large art collection. And um, after my second divorce, yep, y'all heard that. Uh, after my second divorce, I went through, that was when I got on the road. And initially, I kept the whole house. I kept its contents. For a while, I would be on the road for months at a time and I'd come back to the house and it always just felt really weird being in this shell I'd shared with someone I loved and 
a lot of the stuff that had been the memories there were gone, uh, but I still had tons of stuff in it. And after a while, it just didn't make sense for me to just have this house sitting there for, for an indefinite period of time. And so I found someone, I found a friend to rent it from me, rent it furnished, had all my furniture in it, all my art collection. I didn't have to bother actually getting rid of anything. I was still able to hold everything, but I, I was terrified that I I don't like spending summers in the South. Uh, I like to kind of follow really pleasant weather year round. And my, my friend that was renting my house, he was there for about two years. And initially he was planning to move in July. And the last place in the world I wanted to be in July <laughs> was South Carolina with their hundred degree temperatures, massive humidity, just unrelenting heat. And so that was when I started thinking, huh, I feel like still having this house that I haven't actually lived in for years now uh, with all of this stuff is actually more of a burden on me than it is a, what I initially envisioned it as, as a safety net of like, all right, if all else fails, I can always go back to this place. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, he moved his move out date to October, which is a much better time to be in that part of the country. <laughs> and so I got to, got to head back there in fall. It corresponded with really well with some family things I had over that, over that way. And when I got there and I started looking after he moved out, I started just looking at how much stuff there was in the house, how much stuff there was stuffed up in the attic, how much stuff there was packed away in the shed in the backyard. I felt overwhelmed and called in reinforcements. Do you, do you have, do you have like, for me, well, maybe, maybe, maybe you're actually this friend for other people, perhaps, but as we've talked about many times in this podcast, I don't really do structure really well. And so trying to tackle this project and I I wanted within a week to basically get rid of everything in this house. And I wasn't quite sure how to do that. A Good friend of mine, uh, if you're a fan of Enneagram, she is an Enneagram one, uh, very precise, loves lists, loves organizing things. And uh, I, she and I had been talking about maybe taking a trip together and I called her up and I was like, so what about instead of a trip, you just come here. And help me go through every single thing that I own and give it all away. And and I was so nervous to ask. And she's like, that sounds amazing. And oh, oh, so much gratitude. So much gratitude. So she came up and literally just methodically, we spent the entire week just box after box, shelf after shelf, Furniture item after furniture item, figuring out, okay, what is giveaway? What is throwaway, recycle? What is sell? And when I sold stuff, 
Um, there's there's a lot of different ways to to go about doing it, and like there's ways that you can uh, that often require a little bit more effort, but you can maximize how much you might get for your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I my objective was just to get it gone, and so I and I liked the idea of things that I owned going to people I knew and. In Greenville, I had a large local community. So I just created a Facebook album and just started posting pictures in the Facebook album. And I said, make an offer. There's nothing that's unreasonable. Uh, at the end of end of this week, whoever has the highest offer in the comments gets it, period. And created like my own little eBay type thing. And it, And I also indicated that, yeah, you have to come and get it by this date or it's going away. And uh, I, I, I did it. I got rid of this entire house full of stuff. What process did you go through to actually get rid of your stuff? Did you sell stuff, give stuff away? If you sold stuff, how'd you go about it? Yes, to both. So I did all of the above. I gave stuff away. I sold stuff. Um, and I gave some stuff to friends and obviously I had that goodwill that was a block and a half away. Um, and as I said, I went through the easy stuff first, the, just like, this makes my house prettier, but not more functional, whatever. And like, not like, I still, I still have artwork that like I gave to my parents that like is not recreatable, you know, one of a kind pieces that I knew I wanted to keep for the next time I'm stationary, which it'll happen. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I started off with the easy stuff that wasn't, you know, emotionally difficult to get rid of. And, um, and I, I also had more than a week to do it. Right. Like I started getting rid of stuff in like January, February, and I needed to be done, which I wasn't (laughs) getting rid of stuff by like August or something. Um, and so it, it started out really small, really easy. And then it got a little bit bigger and a little harder and a little bigger and a little harder and a little bigger and a little harder. And then I still moved into the van with too many things. Um, but I used uh, Facebook marketplace to get rid of things. I did offer things to my friends first. Um, and I had a bunch of knitwear, <laughs> This is kind of, that was kind of like my weird, unique thing. Um, I've been a knitter for over 20 years. Um, The knitting industry was basically my first career. I still work in the knitting industry. Um, And I had enough yarn and enough projects, sweaters, hats, scarves, fucking everything, anything you can think of, I knit it. Um, I had so much of that stuff that was really hard for me to get rid of, Um, like just getting rid of my stash, my yarn stash and getting rid of all those things. So those were more like tricky to get rid of because they were emotional because I made them. Mm. Right. Um, but also like I'm living in a van. I don't need 70 sweaters. Yeah. I don't. And I, but I didn't want to take them to Goodwill because they were handmade and they were special. So I did kind of the same thing. I made an album on Facebook of my knitwear and did basically the exact same thing. And the things that didn't get bought, I think they did end up taking the Goodwill. Um, but yeah. And then the things that did get bought, like they didn't get bought for like market value because you cannot really put a price on hand knit things. Um, but 
I still knew that they were at least going to be loved by the person who got them, um, which was kind of more of like the thing. So that was that was really tricky for me um, was my my plants, my books and my knitting. (laughs) Um, And in the van, I have tons of books still. I mean, for a van, not for a house, for a van, I have tons of books. I have plenty of yarn and I still have a lot of my sweaters um, and everything else. But sweaters are kind of my favorite thing. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how I did it. I, I had some friends who I was living in Denver at the time. So like I had the, the convenience of a big city in terms of like trying to sell things online, which I think sometimes can be easier than trying to sell things in a small town just because right. there's more people around who might need your thing. Um, and and there was, but I, there's also a lot of work that goes into trying to sell shit on it Facebook is. or Craigslist or anything because you have to coordinate with people. You have to be on your phone or on your computer, like answering their questions. You have to coordinate a time for them to come to your house or for you to meet them somewhere. Like, ugh. And, and then and I had that's a why I ended up going, just doing a Facebook album instead of trying to go through Facebook Marketplace so that it was people I knew I could leave yeah. if I wasn't there. I could just leave a key under the mat and it would be a friend who'd been over to my house a dozen times already anyway. And they just let themselves in, get what we had agreed and go. And it, it, that definitely simplified things. And I definitely didn't sell a lot of the stuff for nearly what I could have if I had put it on offer up or Facebook marketplace or Craigslist or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, like when it's your turn to get rid of stuff. And of course, like purging your possessions doesn't have to be because you're making a giant lifestyle change. It doesn't have right. to be because you're moving onto the road like beers and I have. Um, it could just be that you're looking around and you're like sick of your shit. <laughs> like you just don't want that much stuff. And so it doesn't have to be this like huge, you know, call in reinforcements, like get tons of help to you know, get rid of a 3000 square foot house worth of things. It could just be like really small. And like, maybe, maybe it's just like kind of a game. Like, Ooh, can I sell this knickknack that I've had for a long time? That doesn't really mean anything to me, but takes up space. Like, what could I get that? Like, it could be, it could be fun. It could be recreational. Um, but like one thing that has been popping up in my mind throughout this whole conversation is basically that everything that you own owns you in some way right like you talked earlier about like all of the might needs you know all of these things that you keep just in case um Mm -hmm. they 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 take up space right and like do you want to move from one house to another because then you have to move all of your shit right and getting rid of shit is so hard but like it's not that hard but it feels hard. And so then, then you like stay in situations, maybe like housing situations that you don't want to be in because moving is too much of a hassle or, you know, you don't know, you want to live on the road, but you have so much stuff. You don't know how to get rid of it, but like everything you own owns you in some way. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you want to be owned by this thing, like the van, like it owns me. <laughs> like this girl, whenever she needs anything, she gets what she needs. Yeah. Right. Like, she i own her she owns me and that's fine that's worth it we have a symbiotic relationship it's worth it to me to own this thing but the same is true of every single book on all of my shelves the same is true of every piece of clothing the same is true obviously of my dog she owns anything she wants um but so you have to kind of it's not bad to own things necessarily 
And it's not bad that things own you, but you kind of have to decide, you get the opportunity to decide if you want that thing to own you anymore. So I think, you know, when you're looking at those might needs or just in case, or, you know, I've had this for so long, why, like, you don't even consider getting rid of it because it's just kind of a fixture in your life, but it doesn't have a specific use and it doesn't bring you joy. <laughs> like everything needs to be like cleaned or maintained or have space or, you know, when you move, it has to be moved. And maybe these things are worth it for you and maybe they're not, but that's, I feel like that for me is always kind of a, you know, when I, I look around the van and I'm like, oh, man, I own way too much shit. I have so many things. And my mom's like, you live in a van, you don't own anything. <laughs> She's always kind of like shocked when I complain about how much stuff I own. But then I look at my things and I'm like, well, I do love this. And this is worth having around. And, you know, even the just in case stuff, I'm like, well, this, this thing, I hope to never have to need, but I like my tire chains, you know, for like snowy or really muddy weather. Like I, I've never used them. I hope to never use them, but they are a just in case that I am keeping. Right. That is worth it to me. But like a just in case, like extra pair of scissors, like I don't need that. You get to decide like what is worth being owned by. I like the way that you put that of the things that we own, own us. For me, I think of them almost as like strings and obligations that if I have something somewhere, it means that at some point I'm gonna have to do something about that in that place. Uh And there's definitely things I've done that with where it, it feels fun. And there's things I've done that with that just feel like a weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, like last, last summer, summer of 20, so a year and a half ago, uh, I had ridden my, my motorcycle, Shadowfax, uh, out to Oregon. And then I ended up buying my ambulance home that I lived in for a while. And and so I left my my motorcycle in bent, thinking that, well, this is a place I like. It'd be nice to have to come back here. And it yeah. took longer than I anticipated to get back there. It was uh, it was almost exactly a year before I made it back, but it was really sweet to be reunited with my bike and granted the amount that I needed to pay to store it for that year and continue to insure it. Basically it's the value of the bike to do that for a couple of years. Uh, it's not a very expensive bike, but I I've gone so many places with that bike. Like I feel like, I feel like a connection to it. So I don't want to just get rid of it. And also, Update for the audience and update for you. You're learning this probably here for the first time. I, as you know, I rented an apartment in Oregon. Oh, that face. Oh, I see your quizzical face. Uh, I have a feeling I know what's coming just because I've known you for so long. (laughs) So I rented this this apartment in (laughs) Oregon thinking, all right. This is where I'm going to be. I had all my stuff there. Granted, 
I did go through, as I alluded to what I didn't do earlier in this episode, I, I pulled a 16 foot uh, truck or trailer that was, it was a lot bigger than I needed. I definitely could have and should have gotten much one much smaller, but I pulled this whole trailer all the way across the country and went to, to Eugene, Oregon, found that Eugene wasn't for me. So I gave away everything that wouldn't fit in my Jeep itself and then moved it all into an apartment in Bend, uh, the other side of the mountains. And then after six weeks in that apartment, I drove east, planning to do a birthday road trip and see some family uh, in the southeast for the holidays. And I see this eye roll and I've decided I'm not moving back to Oregon right now. Wow. Who didn't see that coming? Goodness gracious. Spears has changed his mind again. What? Is that something I do? Man, you are just, that is so out of character for you. I know. I know. (laughs) All of this was to say, when I made this road trip out here, I specifically, I wanted to... I wanted to have enough space in my Jeep to be able to, in the back, push stuff to one side, lay down and sleep. So I'm not having to to figure out sleeping arrangements every night. And when I had moved all my stuff from Eugene to Ben's, giving away all the stuff I drove across the country with, I, I, I had all of my tools. And my Jeep was completely full. My tools took up probably a third of the back of the Jeep. And so when I decided to drive east for this trip, the majority of the things that I left behind were my tools. And I'm thinking, well, this isn't a trip where I'm going to be wanting to uh, work on anybody's rig. And I don't have any projects planned for myself. I have been watching your Instagram stories. I know this is not how that worked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And of course I get out here and a love of mine whose bus I've been helping with a lot over the last year and a half or two years um, has needed some work. And so spent, spent days trying to troubleshoot a starter issue and, ended up replacing the starter and it was this greasy massive 70 pounds straight shaft starter that was just a pain in the ass to to pull out and and in some ways even a bigger pain in the ass to put the new one in Uh, but got that done and of course there's another project and another project and another project and (laughs) Why didn't I bring my tools? I need my multimeter. I need my uh, angle grinder. I need my drill. And they're all on the other side of the continent. <laughs> it's strings Typical. tying me to different places. Sometimes it's a good thing. Right. Sometimes, Sometimes it's thing. a frustrating thing. Yeah. Yep. And you get to decide what that means for you. Right. 
like to me, having a bunch of books around is important. And so I have a bunch of books around. And for you, having colorful, flamboyant, wonderful closets is important. You own more pairs of jeans than anybody I know. And you lived on a motorcycle. So (laughs) that's interesting to hear you say that the first part of your thing was accurate about I, I do feel like I have a pretty, pretty large wardrobe for somebody who is as mobile as I am. And I own, oh, I take that back. I, I was going to say I own one pair of jeans. Oh, I, I have actually two pairs of jeans. One is like my, my everyday jeans that are relatively nice. Although this week they've gotten completely covered with grease and I'm probably going to need to replace them with another pair of like, like my everyday nice jeans. And then I've got my patchwork jeans, which those also stayed in Oregon. And that those are very near and dear to my heart. And I'm not going to get rid of those when I get out there and figure out what I am going to take back with us. Those aren't going to come with me, but they're (laughs) these jeans that I've had for many, many years, basically since I got on the road. And as I wore a hole in the jeans, I would patch them. And so these jeans are very nearly more patched than they are jean. And it definitely has gotten to the point where the amount of time that it takes to continue to keep them patched is probably not worth it. But I do like to pull them out for uh, for special occasions. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of those things. If it, if it sparks joy for you, if it's meaningful for you, you absolutely keep it and make it work. Like most people would be like knitting a sweater takes fucking forever. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go buy a sweater. Yeah. It's worth it. You you mentioned books before. I want to touch on books Mm -hmm. actually as well. I, I had a, I had a traumatic eye injury when I was a teenager. And so I don't really see much out of this eye. I, before that injury, I had, 2020 vision in both eyes, but my good eye, this one, uh, deteriorated pretty rapidly in the years following that, just because of added strain uh, on the eye. And I've been wearing glasses since and shortly after that accident. But one unexpected side effect is reading. I love to read. I've loved books all my life. I, in sixth grade, I consistently won the contest for the most prolific reader in the class. Uh, I was very proud of that. But I found that if, if I read more than two or three pages, I'm falling asleep. I just cannot stay awake. It's just so much of a strain to actually read pages. And so I began right around the same time this accident happened. It was right around uh, when Audible was first launching. And all of a sudden, audiobooks, instead of being $130 at Barnes & Noble for orders for a stack of CDs, I could pay a subscription and get one or two audiobooks every month. And my Audible library at this point is over 700 books. Wow. And I... Just I love, love that I live in a time when I can still enjoy books so much without needing to physically 
read them, which I just, I, I really struggle to do now. And I still had bookshelves when I lived in, in, in my house. I still had bookshelves full of books. And what I would mostly use those for was if it was a book I really loved, I would get one or two copies that I could then give away to people as it would come up in conversation. And so, but what that also did is it made the book side of things very easy when it came time to minimizing because all the books I had on the shelf with very few exceptions were books that I, I didn't have any connection to that physical object. It was literally there so I could give it away. And and they're all right. They're all just (laughs) digital. Yeah. I've had a lot of people ask me why I don't use like a tablet um, to cut down on the space for the van. And for me, I like, I don't like reading books digitally. Uh, I love audiobooks. I listen to audiobooks when I drive, when I run, um, when I'm walking the dog. I also use that time for like podcasts and stuff like that. Um, but for me, when it comes to reading, I absorb things differently when I listen to it versus when I read it. So if there's a book I really, really like, um, I will try and do both because I'll get different things out of it when I listen to it versus when I read it. But I do not enjoy the process of reading on a tablet. Yeah, I don't, I it's, just not, it's not for me. I like having actual pages that I can skim. I love the smell of a book. I like being able to see the progress that I make when I move my bookmarks. So I think ultimately it just boils down to like you and what you need and what you find important, what sparks joy for you, what is uniquely useful to you. Um, And you don't have to make a huge lifestyle change and like move into a vehicle. You don't have to backpack around the world and only take what you can carry with you. You don't have to do any of that. You don't, you don't even have to move. Like you can stay in the same house that you're in and, you know, look at the things that own you. And decide for yourself, is this something I want to be owned by? And that's, you know, different people, like we're hearing a lot about, um, maybe not a lot, but with the minimalism thing, people, you know, are like, oh my God, minimalism is the best thing ever. And then there were some people who was like, no, I'm a maximalist. I like things. <laughs> things are great. And like, that's fine. If yeah. that's what you like, I think it, it kind of boils down to like, what means things to you? Like, I think... Uh, maybe for you, but definitely for like people that I've known, people in my life, um, owning things, shopping, the process of like purchasing things online or in store um, is trying to fill a void. It's trying Mm. to retail therapy, retail therapy, only it's not really therapy. It's more like uh, an addiction (laughs) for some people. Um, And it, and it, I mean, you can't really fill voids with stuff. Um, And so I think that, you know, just trying to think about and come to terms with why you're purchasing the things you're purchasing, why you continue to own the things you continue to own and not just get like, oh, it's easier to own it than get rid of it. Like that's not really a really good reason to keep anything in my opinion. Um, But yeah, I think you just have to think about it and be deliberate about how you're living and be deliberate about what you're living with and that can you know your things can give you energy you know when I look at certain books I'm like oh man that is one of my favorites or I'm really excited to read that one if I haven't read it yet Um, and it like brings me joy to see them and to have them around and if I notice that there's things in my life physical things but also like people Instagram 
uh, digital things as well that like bring me down and make me feel bad. I'll get rid of it. Like if there's a book, as much as I love books, if there's a book that I have that I'm not reading, that every time I see it, I'm like, oh, I don't want to read that. Or, oh, I feel bad for not having read that yet. If it makes me feel bad in either of those ways, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'll get rid of it. And when the time comes, I'll get it back. That's the, that's right. one of the good things about books in particular is that you can always get rid of them and get them back. But so many things in life you can replace, you can right. get back. There's a lot of things you can't, but a lot of things that you can. It, it, in a contrast to purging things or voluntarily minimizing uh, a, I feel like a lot of people who are makers and tinkerers, they intentionally collect all of these things. But those what if scenarios actually occur for them with great frequency. Whereas for me, a lot of the what ifs for holding on to something, odds are that need is never actually going to arrive. Whereas uh, a friend of mine, like she lived in the same place for many years and had a house full of things. And there was a lot in her house, but she made things all the time. Yeah. And, and she unexpectedly had to leave this house very rapidly and ended up having to leave a lot of stuff behind. And, and it's, and it's, oh, like I feel for her so much when like working on a, she's working on a project. She's like, oh, I had exactly what I would need and it had to be left behind. I mean, along those lines, like if you don't deal with your stuff, someone's going to have to deal with your stuff, yeah. your friends, your family, like at some point you are not going to be earthside anymore, but all your shit is still going to be here. And someone else is going to have to deal with it. So for the love of your friends and family, please deal with your stuff. (laughs) I have been, uh, I'm turning 40 this year and my, my mind has been thinking a little bit more on like, all right, what, what is going to happen when I'm not here anymore? And so uh, I, was talking with a love of mine uh, about being the executor of my will and just talking through recently, just like, all right, what, what do I want to happen with, with my stuff and who do I trust with this? And are they okay with that? With, with me asking them, well, with, with taking on that responsibility that, okay, if something happens, uh, you're going to be the point person to figure all of this out uh, without me there to, to give further guidance or direction. And yeah. And, and it was, uh, it was, yeah, it feels like a big thing to ask of somebody. And, and also she was, she was, she's is, is up to it. Uh, I hope that that, that that doesn't come anytime soon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I it does, like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, if it does, like things are, things, things are getting sorted out to, to hopefully make that a little bit more straightforward for her. Yeah. I feel like we could talk about this all day, but ending on the end of life is probably a good place to like yeah. wrap everything up. 
<laughs> Is there anything else that you wanted to mention about possession purges? I just really, I'm really curious to hear other people's stories of purging their possessions, uh, of the methods people have gone through to get rid of things, the um, methodologies that they followed to determine what to keep, uh, the the emotions that have come up. as you listen to this, have you, as you have gone through these processes yourselves, uh, please, please share these with us. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a really fascinating topic. You can leave, leave a comment. You can send us a message. Uh, yeah, there's send us a link to the link. Yeah. Right. And then we can start adding feedback like, oh yeah. On last week's episode, we talked about this and this is what right. feedback was. So we've got a link in our, uh, in our Instagram bios. It's going to be in the show notes as well. That uh, allows you to upload a, an audio or video recording of you sharing your own story or experiences with us. And yeah. we would really love to get some of those to be able to incorporate them into future episodes. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like this is just a very personal and universal subject, especially in the last 10 or 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and even still, and I feel like the pandemic has had its own spin on like stuff and um, everything else. And so, yeah, I would love to hear more people's uh, experiences with it or thoughts and feels based on you know our stories, which I know are unique similar to each other, but unique to, you know, the world as a whole, not everybody is moving into vehicles and getting on the road. Um, So not everybody needs to go through like a massive purge, but everybody has had some kind of unexpected move or somebody died or whatever uh, and had to deal with the burden of being owned by things at some point or another. So would love to hear more about that. And uh, if you've gotten anything out of this episode, please go ahead and give it a thumbs up or a five stars, um, like subscribe, hit the bell for all the notifications and all of that. So you don't miss anything. Um, that all really helps us, uh, get seen by algorithms and get seen by other people so that we can get all of this information, all the stories, the interviews, the Q and a everything out to more and more people. Um, we also have a Patreon group specifically for the podcast, uh, where we, answer Q and A's. We have longer episodes or mini-sodes or maybe some outtakes. I know in this particular episode, we've had a few outtakes. <laughs> Might be fun to share some of those as well. Um, I have a Patreon for my own work, for my artwork, for my writing, for that sort of thing. Um, and Beers has his own Instagram as well. We have an Instagram for the podcast. Come follow all of us. Um, and yeah, come back next week for another excellent episode. And all those links are in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.